the 12 sons of Israel, or Jacob, multiplied and moved to Egypt. During a span of several hundred years, Israel's descendants had become slaves. So God raised up Moses to lead them out of the land of Egypt to Mount Sinai. There God gave the land of Canaan to them, but they had to let the land rest every seventh year, help the poor, and observe the Sabbaths. If they obeyed, he would bless them. If they disobeyed, he would punish them. If the punishment did not work, he would eventually put them off the land and let it rest one year for each seventh year they wrongfully planted a crop. But he would not cancel his covenant or permit all the people to be destroyed. After the land rested the proper number of years, he would restore the nation. This week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to continue our study with prophecies of the Bible as we wrap up the Pentateuch. We're going to be starting off in Leviticus this week, and we're going to do that right after this. Hey everyone, welcome again to another episode of Connecting the Gap. I'm Daniel Moore, your host. Thank you once again for joining me this week. We have been going through prophecies of the Bible over the last five to six weeks or so. Hope you guys have really been enjoying this so far as we get deeper and deeper into God's Word, heading towards Revelation as we're going to go through all the prophecies and covenants that God has given throughout His Word. You can visit my website, connectingthegap.net, to check out all those podcasts and many, many more. You can also subscribe there or go to your favorite podcast platform and search for Connecting the Gap, and you can subscribe on those as well. You can also get my blog from the website, and you can also subscribe there on my blog page. My podcast comes out on Thursdays. My blog comes out on Fridays. You'll get a notification each week as new ones are published, so please go and subscribe and share. Go to my Facebook page, my Twitter, all my information is there as well, and please share to people that you think might benefit from this as we all study God's Word and learn about God together here on Connecting the Gap. So as I said, we are going to finish up the Pentateuch today. That's the first five books of the Bible as we go through some of the covenants and the promises that God made in those five books. And we're also going to hit Deuteronomy today as well. So we're going to go ahead and just get right on into this. So as we start off in Leviticus here, we're going to be kind of pulling from Leviticus 25, chapter 1 through chapter 26, verse 46. And uh, we're going to kind of be hitting that little span of Leviticus. Another famine came, and the descendants of Israel wound up in Egypt. The Israelites stayed in Egypt for 430 years, and their numbers increased to several hundred thousand. Some people even say that there perhaps might have been even around two million of the Israelites at this point. They just, they greatly multiplied. This population explosion troubled the Egyptians. They were afraid the Israelites would soon outnumber and overpower them. So the Egyptians took the Israelites as slaves. God responded by sending plagues. Those are something that causes a great deal of suffering to force Pharaoh, who was the title given to the main ruler of Egypt. So this was the the main ruler of Egypt. He wanted to force Pharaoh to let them leave. And he did that by raising up an Israelite named Moses to lead them. Moses led his people to Mount Sinai, and it was there that God made a special covenant with the nation. If Israel would obey him, God promised to bless the nation with rain, 
good crops, fruit, peace, and victory over her enemies and a safe dwelling. If if Israel would not obey, God would make the nation afraid. He would also send diseases upon them, and he would let the nation's enemies defeat her. If the nation continued to disobey, God would punish the people seven times more with poor crops. If that didn't work, God would punish them seven times more with plagues of wild animals. If that failed, God would punish them seven times more with diseases and famines. If they still disobeyed, God would punish them seven times more. They would cannibalize their children, and the land would become desolate. The people would scatter among nations, and the land would rest to make up for all those years that they wrongfully planted crops. You would think that when God said this to them after they already knew that God was real, they knew that he was leading them, they knew what the the covenants and the promises were that were pronounced upon them, you would have thought that they would have at least followed what God wanted them to do uh, with these things that he told them because otherwise it was going to get very brutal for their for their people. Um, So it's very important to understand what this prophecy means. This is the key to understanding why the Jews would be off the land for 70 years during the Babylonian captivity. In other words, not letting the land rest and why they would be punished seven times more. Seven times 70 equals 490 years for their other sins, adultery, lying, idolatry, killing the prophets and all the other things that they did. Beginning with Moses, the Jews were faithful to God for many years, and they enjoyed the blessings he promised. But by the time the period of judges arrived, the nation was going through cycles of rebellion, punishment, repentance, and restoration. Every time the Jews rebelled, God punished them. Every time they repented, God restored them. He was always very patient and reluctant to apply his curse. He loved the children of Israel and wanted to maintain a special relationship with them. By the time Jeremiah came along, the nation was divided. The northern kingdom called Israel had been destroyed, and the southern kingdom called Judah was in rebellion. They had stolen 70 crops. That was one crop for every seven years. They were breaking all of God's other commandments. Speaking through Jeremiah, God told them he would put them off the land 70 years to rest the land and recover the 70 stolen crops. Later, he spoke through Daniel and said they would suffer seven times more or 490 more years for breaking all the other commandments. This explains the Babylonian captivity. Then Daniel chapter 9 is going to explain the 490 years, and it will become clear why prophetic scholars expect a seven-year tribulation period. God told the Jews to let the land rest every seventh year. Letting the land rest every seventh year was a great test for the nation. If the people trusted God enough to not plant crops, God would bless them. If they did not trust Him enough to do that, God would afflict them. The message for us today is, is trust God and he will take care of us. That's the takeaway that we can take away from this time that Israel was living through all of this time that they just disobeyed and did whatever they wanted to do. God, in all his sovereignty, he inflicted those curses upon them, just like he promised. As the Bible tells us, Israel broke the covenant again and again. Finally, Jeremiah warned the people to repent or God would put them off the land. When the people refused to heed the warning, God let King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon defeat them. Multitudes of Jews were killed. Others were taken to foreign lands. 
Seventy years later, more than 40,000 returned. In AD 70, the Romans conquered the land. Multitudes were killed again, but not everyone was killed at that time. In AD 135, those who were left were scattered and their property was sold. This prophecy that had been prophesied in Leviticus through Moses, it was fulfilled. God kept his promise that, uh, that he was going to do what he was going to do if the Israelites did not obey him and do what he had asked. So now we're going to move on to Numbers. Numbers also has some covenants in it. And this one is basically through the story of Balaam. In Numbers chapter 24, verses 14 through 19, And now indeed I am going to my people. Come, I will advise you what this people will do to your people in the latter days. So he took up his oracle and said, The utterance of Balaam, the son of Bor, and the utterance of the man whose eyes are open, the utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and batter the brow of Moab, and destroy all the sons of Tumult. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also, his enemies, shall be a possession, while Israel does valiantly. Out of Jacob, one shall have dominion, and destroy the remains of the city. For those of you that have actually read through Numbers and read the story of Balaam, this story is one of the strangest stories in the Bible. Balaam was a living contradiction who knew a lot of scripture, but set most of it aside. He was an unusual prophet who mixed divine revelation with pagan practices, a man of faith who sold out to Satan. He said something that we often hear at Christmas, a star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Among scholars, there is a wide agreement that this is a prophecy about Jesus. Some even believe the wise men who went to Jerusalem and Bethlehem at his birth went there because of this prophecy. At Jerusalem, they asked King Herod, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. That's in Matthew 2, verses 2. Balaam also prophesied the destruction of Moab and Edom. That was two small kingdoms that were located in southern Jordan. Balaam is a man to be remembered. The Bible says, number one, remember what Balaam said. What he said was in Numbers chapter 24, verse 22 to 25. It says, Nevertheless, Cain shall be burned when Asher takes you away captive. And he took up his discourse and said, Alas, who shall live when God does this? But ships shall come from the Kittim and shall afflict Asher and Eber, and he too shall come to utter destruction. Then Balaam arose and went back to his place. And Balak also went his way. The second thing, remember what Balaam loved. He loved the wages of wickedness and accepted money to do wrong. Number three, remember Balaam's error. He was greedy. Number four, remember what Balaam taught. Idolatry and sexual immorality. Balaam said what he saw was not near. In the future, Israel's ungodly neighbors in southern Jordan will be destroyed and the kingdoms of the world will be subdued. The bright morning star is one of the names of Jesus. 
He appeared almost 2,000 years ago, and he will appear again near the end of the earth's darkest hour or the tribulation period. His light will overcome the darkness. Scepter refers to the rule of Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords with a rod of iron during the millennium. You can read about the, that in Revelation chapter 2, verse 27, Revelation 12, 5, Revelation 19, 15, and 16, and Psalm chapter 2, verse 9. Now we move on to Deuteronomy. Here in Deuteronomy, a covenant and a promise was given, and Israel's history was foretold. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 26 through 31, it says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that you will soon utterly perish from the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear, eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress, and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, he will not forsake you nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to them. Here in Deuteronomy, Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness and to the east bank of the Jordan River. They were ready to enter the promised land, but before they did, Moses had some final words of warning. He spoke in the name of the Lord, calling heaven and earth to witness against them. He predicted apostasy, which was a rebellion against God, would grip the new nation that it would soon backslide or slip back into sin, that the people would be killed or removed from the land, and the survivors would be few in number, and that they would be compelled to commit idolatry in foreign lands. He also said if the people would repent and seek God, the Lord would forgive them. For the first time in the Bible, the tribulation period is referenced here. It says when you are in distress, it will occur in the latter days. When the tribulation period arrives, if people repent, our merciful God will not forsake them. He will not forget the covenant that he made with their fathers. The same love, mercy, and power that he makes available to others will be available to them. We know the following three things about the Israelites when it comes to the latter days. Number one, God's chosen people will backslide. Number two, if backsliders do not repent, God will punish them. And number three, if backsliders do repent, God will forgive them. As long as the nation of Israel remained faithful to God, they would be special to him. He would not forsake them, and he would let them dwell in the promised land. If they broke their relationship with him, they would be no different from anyone else, and he would no longer let them dwell in the promised land. Removing them would be a judgment designed to bring self-examination and repentance. This will happen during the tribulation period. God will remember his covenants and their relationship will be restored. Israel is notorious for backsliding, and because of that, the nation has been destroyed more than once. God's chosen people will once again return to the land, but they will have to flee to the mountains in the future during the tribulation period. They will remember this prophecy and repent, and God will remember his covenants, and he will restore them. That's going to wrap it up for this week on Connecting the Gap as we continue our study on prophecies of the Bible. Uh, that's a, a couple of promises and some covenants that was made through Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy.
And as we wrap up this section, next week we're going to start in prophecies in the books of history. We're going to jump to 1 Samuel, and we're going to start going through some prophecies and covenants there, some promises about a Messiah and a king. And we're going to start going through all of that as we continue on our way through to Revelation. Again, you can visit my website at connectingthegap.net to catch all of the podcasts, and you can also catch my blog there as well. Please uh, share if you can, and uh, subscribe to all my different uh, podcast channels that that you are a, a subscriber on, and that way you'll get notifications when the new ones pop up. And also, if uh, you know someone that's not saved There is a page there that has some simple steps of becoming a Christian. And if you'd like to know even more about that and have a deeper relationship with God, there's a contact page there. You can fill that out and contact me as well. So hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed this week. We'll be back next week and we'll continue our study based on Damon Duck prophecies of the Bible. Until then, remember that God's word never fails us. God's word has stood the test of time, and through Jesus' death on the cross, he has connected the gap. Mm-hmm.